I appreciate uh, Dr. Chris asking me to do this. I think it was on my bucket list. But they've been reversed. He's where I would love to be as well uh, this morning, walking where Jesus walked. I told Lillian that if she heard uh, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, not to worry, it was only my knees knocking. Good to see each one of you here uh, today, and I'll be speaking, first of all, from Luke 1, beginning with uh, verse 26. I always like to tell something funny at the beginning, and uh, at least it's funny to me. Having taught school for 30-something years, uh, I love to be around young people. And about the middle school, junior high school age, you know, a marvelous transformation takes place in the girls. And boys, too, I guess, but mostly the girls. They love to get to school early, go in the, in, in, the, in the bathroom, and they pull out their lipstick, and they begin to paint their lips. Do you remember those days? And then when they get their lips painted, they go up to the mirror and look, and they press their lips against the mirror. And before they go to class, the mirror is just covered with kisses. And the poor custodian had a time cleaning, uh, cleaning the, the mirrors every day. And so he talked to the principal about it. And the principal, principals are usually filled with wisdom. So they had all the girls stay after school. And they were to meet in the, in the restroom. And the, and the principal said, girls, we have a problem. He said, every morning you get here and put lipstick on and... And then you kiss the mirror, and then it's left to, to the custodian to clean up the mess. So something has to give. So now I want the custodian to demonstrate to you how he cleans the mirrors. And so the custodian got up and took a squeegee and put it in the toilet. And you, you know what a squeegee is. And then he began to wash the mirrors, all that lipstick off the mirrors. They have not had another problem with girls kissing the mirrors to this day. There are educators and there are teachers. <laughs> One more, and I'll, I'll, I'll get, get down to business here. This man and, and woman had been married a number of years, but they were not getting along very well. In fact, they even talked about divorce. And so they said, well, let's go to a counselor a marriage counselor. He'll help us resolve our problems. So they went to the marriage counselor and sat before him, and, and the lady spoke first and last. And she said, my problem is he takes me for granted. Not only does he takes me, take me for granted, he ignores me. Not only does he ignore me, but he is cold. He is not affectionate like he was when we first married. And she went on and on with all these problems. And so the, the marriage counselor got up, walked over to her and said, stand up. So she stood up. He put his arms around her and he smacked her good, leaning her down and kissing her passionately. And then he looked at the husband and said, this is what your wife needs. And I want you to give her this on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And the man thought for a minute and said, 
I can bring her in on Monday and Wednesday, but Friday I play golf. Let's stand in honor of God's word and read, if you will, beginning with Luke 1. In the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to uh, to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of the father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? <clears throat> Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come, will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. This is truly the day that the Lord has made. And we will be glad and rejoice in it. We want to thank you most of all for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten, your one of a kind, your monogene, your unique son to die. That whosoever believeth, that is to receive, to commit, to proclaim, proclaim Lord of their lives. But whosoever believeth shall never perish, but shall have eternal life. Father, we remember when we were lost in the tempest of sin. And we remember when the Holy Spirit moved us and brought us to the foot of the cross. Thank you for the blood that forgives our sins. Thank you that the blood will never lose its power. And now bless this service as we dedicate these moments to you. Bless the hearts of each one that's here. And if there's one who does not know you in the pardon of their sins, may they realize this is the day. This is the hour of salvation and victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The birth of Jesus was one of the most monumental events in the history of humankind. In fact, John, John Blanchard said that about 30,000 people have inhabited the earth since the days of Adam and Eve, guesstimate. And very few of those, he said, have made their mark on mankind. Very few have left a lasting impression. And he said, but there's one, only one, 
that's in a class by himself. And that one is Jesus. The angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, the etymological root is Joshua, Joshua, Jeshua, and Jesus. And it literally means Yahweh is salvation. And if you'll let me paraphrase that, what he's literally saying is when you hear the name of Jesus, what he's literally telling you and telling me is Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Leela B. Long said about that name, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Bill and Gloria Gaither, my favorite, comes along with another one about how unique that name is. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Jesus, Jesus, they said. Master, Savior, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but that name will never pass away. I love Christmas, and I'm sure you do too. And I guess one reason is Christmas calls us to believe, and yet reminds us of our unbelief. Christmas calls us to have faith and reminds us of our faithlessness. Christmas reminds us of peace and also reminds us of all the wars and the violence that is going on around us. Christmas reminds us of joy and wonders why some of us go around with faces long enough to eat butter out of the bottom of a churn. If we're his and we're really his and we're saved and we know it, then it ought to show on on our faces and in our walk with him day by day. Christmas is the story of salvation. Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts and begs us to realize that there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then the writer uh, writers go on to remind us the times of this ignorance. God winked at, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. There's something about that name, one in a class and only one, and that name is Jesus. And that's why I say it's the sweetest name I know. First of all, I want us to look at Mary's willingness from Luke 1, verses 30 and 31. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Two angels are given names, two archangels. One's Gabriel, the other is Michael. Michael, we're assuming, is the protector of Israel. Gabriel has a, carries out God's special assignments. He had already carried out one to Elizabeth and Zachary. And Zacharias, now he's carrying out one to Mary and then later, later to Joseph. But he came, Gabriel came to, to Mary. She was young, probably a teenager and told her that she had found favor among men and that she would bear a son, the Son of God. And she would call his name Jesus, 
for he would save his people from their sins. Immediately I thought of the verse that says, don't be ashamed of your youth. Let no man be ashamed of your youth, but be an example. And that's exactly what Mary was. Mary was being an example. And she was willing to do whatever God wanted to do with her life. There was a man in this uh, preacher's church who had a stroke. It affected both legs. It affected one arm. And most of all, it affected his speech. And try as hard as he could. He could not communicate. And when the preacher came to, came to visit him, he tried as hard as he could to, uh, to communicate with the man, but to no avail. He said it was like talking to a baby. He tried to have short sentences. He was embarrassed even to act like that. But the man just simply could not communicate back. And then the preacher remembered. Sometimes stroke victims can sing. And so the pastor stood there by that man's bed and he began to sing Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Come, All is, all is Bright. And the man who had the, the speech impediment, the one who had trouble forming words, the one who could not communicate, did something miraculous. He began to sing, Round Yon Virgin. Mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. And then he reached for the pastor's hand and he reached for the wife's hand and the wife began uh, to sing with him, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Tears rolling down his eyes. The preacher said, God is here. And it was good. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And Mary, the virgin mother of Jesus, knew this and she pondered all of these things in her heart. Number two, Christmas is meaningful because of the, of the star's brightness. In Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2, we read these words. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked where is he that is born king of the Jews we we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him that first Christmas was remarkable for several things and one of these was the star it was brighter than any of the other stars it seemed like It came closer to the earth than any other star had ever done. It seems like it was a supernatural sign from God to the shepherds first and then to the the wise men later on. It was bright. It was brilliant. It was God's star. There was a Dennis the Menace cartoon. He's one of my favorites. When he and Joey were looking in the store windows, there was that beautiful Christmas tree that reached almost to the ceiling and around it was a train just going round and around. There were toys galore. There were live uh, uh, actors all around it. Sometimes Dennis could amaze you at the things that came out of his mouth. But he said, Joey, last month, we thank God for everything. 
but Christmas. Christmas is God's way of saying, you're welcome. I thought that was, pre- that was pretty neat. That star was brighter than any star that had ever shone. But Jesus said, I am the bright and the morning star. Have you ever seen the morning star advantageously? If you were just coming home from a night of revelry, you know none of its beauty. If you simply rolled over on your pillow and and saw the star, you too know none of its beauty. But there are some here, I know for sure, who were once tossed on the tempest of sin. And they saw the star. And it was bright. And it was brilliant. It was a living star, a speaking star. A triumphant star. It was an evangelistic star. Jesus said, I am the bright and the morning star. And the shepherds followed. And the wise men followed. Number three, from Luke 2, 15 and 16, the shepherds' hastiness. Here's what the scripture says. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, uh, appeared to them and left, they immediately said, Let's go. Let's follow. Let's go where where the Lord Christ is. And, you know, I suppose that's the way we're... We're to be every day of our lives. Wherever he says go, go. <laughs> when I was a young student at East Texas Baptist University a hundred years ago, a long time ago, I had an opportunity to speak in, in, in many of the, the clubs and organizations. And on Saturday, we met around the courthouse, had a little portable organ, and we would sing hymns out of the old Broadway. <clears throat> and uh, then we'd preach. And uh, Brother Loma Green had a church out, out in Spring Ridge. And he, he came up to me one day, one day, it must have been on a Saturday, and he said, would you preach for me Sunday? And without even thinking, I said, yes. Where? And he told me it was Providence Baptist Church in Spring Ridge. I didn't have any idea where Spring Ridge was. I said, I'll do it. Thank you for the opportunity. One little problem. (laughs) I didn't have a car. That was 70, 80 miles away from Marshall. But if it was God's will for me to go, I was going. That's what I did. In those days, it was safe. You can't do that today because you'd wake up dead somewhere. Took, put the old thumb out and got a ride with no trouble at all. And I told the, the guy where I was going, had that Bible, my old black suit on. He said, well, you don't want to get off at Greenwood. You'll never get a ride. Let me take you through Shreveport to the Mansfield Road. You can go to the Colquitt Road and it's a straight shot. I said, okay, let's do it. Because I knew God was in control. Uh, sure enough, got to the Colquitt Road, thanked him. There I was, my black suit on, my Bible under my arm, and my thumb out, and it was no time until this luxurious automobile stopped and picked me up. A distinguished couple. A rich couple, if you please. 
and asked me where I was going. I told them, well, let's go. And they took me to the front door of Providence Baptist Church. Mr. and Mrs. Brenham, who owned the furniture store in Shreveport. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And when they saw me get out of that luxury car with my Bible under my hand and with these distinguished people bringing me to the front door, they knew God had answered their prayer. (laughs) And many, many good things happened. They called me as their pastor later on. I got a car after that. And today my son's buried there, and they've got some special plots reserved for, for, for Lois and I there. And it's just, it's just worked out wonderful. Isn't God good? God is so good. The shepherds were held in low esteem, as many of you know. They were not even allowed to give testimony in court. Some people felt that they were dirty and didn't belong in high society. And not only that, some equated them, put them on the same level as prostitutes. Nevertheless, God came to the shepherds. He loved them. He blessed them and told them to go find the, go find the Christ child. You know, there are some people who think that Christ came as a stranger to the place where the shepherds were, but that isn't so. The Bible says that without him was nothing made that was made. All things were created by him. The reason it wasn't strange is because he created the shepherds. He created the sheep that they tended to. He created the hills on which they they had their flocks. He was the omnipotent, creative Christ whom we serve. I see now why it was so easy for him to change the water into wine. He made the water. I see now why it was so easy for him to cure the maniac. He created the intellect. I see now why it was so easy for him to hush the tempest. He sank Genesaret. I see now why it was so easy for him to swing fish into Peter's net. He created the fish. I know now why it was so easy for him to raise Lazarus from the dead. He created Lazarus and the rock that held it in because he's the Lord of life and he is the Lord of death. And finally, don't don't applaud. Number four. Christmas is meaningful because of the wise men's unselfishness. Matthew two eleven says this On coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense. And myrrh. Wiles and Lottish, my favorite writers from this period of history, had a lot to say about the Magi, the wise men. He said they had about 12 years of graduate work under their belt. They studied the stars. They were astrologers, and some of them even, even dealt in magic. We don't know if they were three or more than that, but we say three because of the gifts which they, which they presented. But they knew the Bible. They knew the promises. They knew that Christ had been, uh, had, had been promised. And when the star appeared to them, they said, let's go. We'll follow that star wherever it leads. That's exactly what they did. And of course, when they got to Herod, they said, uh-oh, this is the wrong way to go. And they prayed, Lord, don't let the devil steal my joy. 
He knew he was up to no good. He was mean. He was evil. He was wicked. He killed his wife. He killed his two sons. And Lord knows what else he did. He was bad news. And that's why he wanted to find out where, where, where the Christ child lay. So they left. A director of Standard Oil Company was reading his Bible in Exodus 2-3. He read where Moses' mother was uh, trying to save her son from being killed. And she made a basket, not a bull nettles, as someone said, but bull rushes. And she put it, held it together with slime and also pitch. Well, the director of Standard Oil knew that wherever there was pitch, there was also oil. So we called his engineers together, and he sent them to this place. And today, as I speak to you, oil is pumping out of that place uh, like you would not believe. Now, there's two lessons here. One of them is read your Bible. <laughs> but the more important thing is act on it once you read about it. <clears throat> you see, those simple shepherds followed the star and found their lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the shepherds followed the star and found their wisdom. Do you realize that the Wise men, so-called wise men, were not Jews. No. But they knew there was a place for them at the foot of the cross. Did you know they were the first one to call Jesus the king of the Jews? George Burns, one of my favorite characters from yesteryear. Some of you are old as I am. You can remember it. But George Burns loved Anne Margaret, and he said he loved her uh, because she said she told everybody he found her. <laughs> and he asked her to go to Las Vegas with him and open the show for him, and that's what she did. And for one solid hour, she sang, and when she came off the stage, she was crying, and George Burns said, Anne, what's wrong? And she said, well, it's Christmas Eve, and I miss my mother so much. Well, he said, the, the crowd loved you. You go in my office, you call your mother and talk to her and charge it to my account. She did. She charged it to his account and talked to her mother and talked to her mother and talked to her mother. One hour later, George came off the stage and she was still talking to her mother. And he sat down and waited for her to get through and she came in just smiling. He said, well, you're not crying anymore. You have a smile on your face. Oh, she said, yes, thank you so much. said, we had the best conversation. said, I just really appreciate your letting me call my mother. He said, that's all right. What I don't understand is, why didn't you uh, invite her to the show? Oh, she said, I couldn't do that. She lives in Sweden. <laughs> and George Burns said, and then I cried. <laughs> Robert G. Lee, the late Robert G. Lee, long-time pastor, Bellevue Baptist Church. Oh, I love to hear that man speak. He, t he t spoke to us one day at ETBU, and, and I remember him saying, if you do what you're supposed to do, everybody's not going to like you. They didn't like our Lord. They're not going to like you. And he says, if you do what you're supposed to do, he says, uh, you'll make some enemies. And he said, when I die, 
if that preacher stands over my casket and says, poor Dr. Lee, he never made an enemy in his life. He says, I hope God gives me life enough to kick that casket door open and say, that's a lie. The last words I close with this. Archie Lee also wrote these words. Please listen to them. To explain Jesus Christ is impossible. To ignore him is disastrous. To reject him is fatal. On the other hand, to know him is to love him. To believe on him. And to believe on him is to be saved. And to be saved is to be radically and dramatically transformed for time and eternity. Do you know? Jesus is the sweetest name I know. If you're here and you want to move your membership, we'd just be glad to have you. Ministers will be in the front. Just tell them what you, you, you want to do. If you've never trusted him, would you come as we sing? I'm, I'm assuming we, we're going to sing an invitation in.